tonight should be tonight should be not very controversial. Tonight should be uh, pretty fast, I think. Philip's like laughing at me already. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you've walked right into the trap. I, I think it won't be. You know, this morning, like Lena and I were in bed. She says to me, she's like, what are we talking about tonight? And I said, we're talking about meditation and silence and solitude. She goes, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't promise. <laughs> I actually didn't promise, but but I think I think it's a fair comment because I think most of us are kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, meditation, silence, solitude. So let's let's kind of pick up where we left off last week, just to let you know where we're going. First of all, here's kind of our series. We're studying the disciplines. We've already covered simplicity in our intro. Last week, Morgan expertly walked us through prayer. And tonight, we're going into meditation and silence. But before we leave prayer completely, prayer is the toughest one to discuss. And last week, if you were here, all 4,000 people that packed this room last week, Morgan's just so hot, all the people show up for Morgan. I'm so bummed. I'm ready to retire. There were so many questions, and, and, and fairly, to be honest, some of them didn't get answered. In fact, a lot of them didn't get answered. Ben has been keeping track of questions about prayer, and he's on like, he says he's on the fourth page in his journal, and he's got a big journal. It's not like a little one. So what we've decided to do is as soon as we do some more disciplines in this series, finish up some of the ones that you see here on the screen in no particular order, we're going to actually probably go into a series that answers questions about prayer. Now, we've already done a series on prayer, and it was modeled on the Lord's Prayer, which I think is the model we should probably be following. So if you've not seen our website. There's six talks on prayer. I think the first two are kind of intros about the difficulties of prayer, and then we walk through all the different aspects of the Lord's Prayer line by line. But in fairness, I think there's still some questions people have. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of update that series and take all your questions. So not this week, but next week and the weeks after, we're going to ask you to write down any question you have about prayer. Maybe we'll just have Ben turn in the four pages. That'll just be it. Like That'll just do it for you. If you have a question, be thinking about it, because next week we'll pass out some cards and you'll write down any question you have about prayer. We want to kind of synthesize them and get ready for a series that really just walks through your questions on prayer, rather than just going through a book or something else. As Morgan highlighted, there's hundreds of books on prayer, thousands. But I always want to know what you want to know about prayer, and then we go look up those things for you. We'll kind of be like your Google, okay? We'll just like look it up and tell you the answers. Well, at least some of the answers, then you could debate them. You know, we'll come up with some of them. So let's go back to this real fast. Why are we studying the spiritual disciplines? I've kind of synthesized what we said the first week. First, I want to learn some of the things from the ancient Christians who've practiced these for years. They did it. Why? We, most of us couldn't articulate a reason why. Hopefully, the why comes out of seeing it. Here's another one. I want to recover the beauty and the importance of the disciplines. A lot of us have turned them into kind of legalistic ideas, like I have to do this. In fact, that's one of the things we talked about in our first intro week was we want to free ourselves from the idea that we've got to juggle all the disciplines. That's why we've selected kind of the image of a toolbox for this series, because we're trying to select like the right discipline for the right season in your life. Now, some of them you might use all the time, like prayer. Some of them you may need to use infrequently, like fasting or abstinence that we're going to talk about. Maybe those are things that you don't use all the time. Silence, solitude. Maybe some use more often, like meditation. But the idea is we've always had talks about the disciplines where week after week, one more gets added, and suddenly you're thinking, how, what do I do with all these? And do I do them all simultaneously? And how do I know when to use them? That's kind of why our series is kind of focused on being a little bit more practical. 
We've also tried to correct this notion that the disciplines are an end in themselves. But let's go a step deeper. If they're not an end in of themselves, what are they an end to? And last week, Morgan began to bring this out a little bit in our discussions about prayer, in looking a little bit about how Jesus used prayer, in some of the wrestling that happened in this room. So let me point a couple of them out. If they're not just an end, what are they supposed to do? Because I think practically people are asking that question. Here's the first one. And I'm only going to offer you two tonight. The first is to reach beyond the confines of a materialistic world that we live in to kind of get in touch with the spiritual part of ourselves. You know, to say that in English would be this way. I think everybody knows that we live in a very materialistic culture, but I don't mean materialistic just in the sense of money. I mean that we see and touch and feel material things all the time, but we are, in part, to be human, also spiritual beings. We're part spirit as well as just flesh. And there's a part of us that we never really seem to get in touch with because of all that's around us. So I want to go past that. The spiritual disciplines are a way to start to open the door a little bit. We're seeking spiritual transformation. The disciplines are the tool that help us to start to do that. How? First, we have to get the idea, and I'm borrowing a lot from Foster's book on this, that inner righteousness is a gift from God. You can look at Romans 5.17. It's God who does the transforming work inside of us. Let's look at it as the transformation that comes when we accept God's grace. And he gives us, in addition to that, the inner reworking of who we are to become righteous. And some people have the idea that what happens is we have to earn that righteousness. And Romans talks about the idea that that righteousness is given by God. But to make it easier so we don't get stuck on that word, because it can be a word to some people, and people can debate what it means, what we're really looking for is how do we as Christians become transformed on the inside? A lot of us do that by thinking if I just struggle on the outside enough against my sinful nature, if I just struggle and have enough will, then I will be transformed on the inside. And actually, that's not really biblical. God through his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, is the one who is transforming us on the inside. But part of the exercise of spiritual disciplines is how can we engage in something that will allow that to happen. Okay? That last point is simple. That the disciplines themselves don't transform. They just create the environment to allow transformation to happen. Here's the picture that's used in a number of texts. Spiritual things are a little bit mysterious to us. We understand material things. We understand that we can plant seed in the ground. We expect something to happen. We can till the ground. We can plant a seed. We can water. There's certain things that we can do, but we can't make it grow. Somehow, through God's creation and the laws that he set into place, the growth happens. The farmer who's sowing never makes the growth actually take place. They can only prepare the soil for it to happen. And that's kind of what we're doing with the spiritual disciplines. That may be a little bit of a large thought to digest all at once, but that's the point of what we're driving to, and we'll keep coming back to it because we keep saying it's not an end in itself, but people could fairly ask, well, what is it going towards then? And the ultimate point is for us to be transformed on the inside. How do spiritual disciplines do that? Because that's a fair question too. 
how does spending time in meditation and silence do that? How does it transform us? Keep that picture in mind that there's certain things that are in our control, like tilling, like putting the seed in the ground, like covering it up, like watering, and then there's some things that are out of our control. And that's the act of transformation that God is doing on the inside. Okay? Let's talk about the first one we're doing tonight, meditation. Anyone practice this discipline before? Almost half? Okay. Anyone want to share how they, how they practice it? Yeah. It was a bit different, but uh, when I worked on Catalina for the summer at a Christian camp, we had a cross up on the hill. There's a trail up there, and uh, a lot of times it'd be nice just to hike up there for the morning so you could like watch the sunrise and just sort of sit alone up there. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. For me, it's just kind of like a, you know, it's a form of prayer almost, but it's kind of like you just kind of let everything just kind of relax a little bit, and, and you have more time just to really unwind your mind a lot because I think a lot of times when you pray you're like oh you know I gotta pray 10 minutes before you know my favorite show comes on through Lord I pray this 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 and it's like let's just you know turn off everything for a moment just relax you know act like I have all the time in the world and just just talk about whatever if I need to talk about whatever or if I want to listen and listen just kind of really think about stuff that's going on so okay here's the description of it it's a focus first on our ability to hear God's voice, to reflect on his scriptures. So it's a reflection, a focus, and the thoughts that he might bring to mind. Sometimes the thoughts that just come into our mind, that's okay too. I know we, like you said, we didn't fully explain everything about prayer, but how is this different than prayer? Is this an aspect of prayer encompassing it, or is it separate from it? Or? It's, a, it's different in its exercise in the way that you do it, for example. And I'll show you in a second. So it is, you could say it's a form of prayer, okay? That's because even in the subject of prayer, like there's so many different types of prayers that they're gonna overlap. And Morgan even mentioned last week that you're gonna overlap between prayers that involve silence, prayers that involve meditation. So we'll keep prayer for right now. I don't wanna artificially define it, but yeah, there will be some overlap. Morgan? I think, I don't know if you an essential marking of Christian meditation as opposed to Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about like clearing the mind, like moving towards like a nothingness, that type of, it's an emptying of the mind, whereas Christian meditation is supposed to be filling your mind with God, like with scripture or with something. But it, So that's a big, I think that's worth saying just because a lot of people will immediately go into, oh, meditation is clearing your mind into nothingness. That's not true. That's not Christian meditation. That's a great clarification because meditation has become kind of a loaded word, right? And some Christians are afraid of it because they're going to think, oh, meditation, that's a thing that you might do related to yoga or something. Um, the word that we translate as meditation is found scripturally. That's the best word that we can come up with. And I think that's a great clarification, the difference between emptying your mind and trying to join a oneness in the universe or disappearing of yourself and all those kinds of things, as opposed to what you're really doing here is dwelling and reflecting and focusing and filling your mind on the things of Christ, on the things of God, and trying to seek connection with them that way. So, for example, these things are all biblical, like listening to God's Word, just listening, reflecting on His works, rehearsing or going over or recalling His deeds, ruminating on God's law, just dwelling on what it is and how beautiful it is and letting it kind of sink in. Some people today would call that like marinating on God's word as a kind of a word picture. Those are the kind of things that meditation does. So sure, you could consider that prayer, 
but it's a specific type of practice that you're doing. Some examples from Scripture that use the word that would be translated in meditation in our English. From Psalm 77 of verses 11 and 12, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I'm recalling them, bringing back to mind. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Psalm 119, oh how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. So meditation can also bring insight, can bring wisdom, but you're in practice, and we'll talk about in practice at the end exactly how to do it, but you're spending time focusing, meditating, thinking about these things that belong to the Lord. So why would we do it? It renews our mind. It brings us into God's presence. It teaches us to nourish on and digest the truth. Again, scripturally. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it brings renewal of your mind by doing this. How? It goes back to that same thing again. We're opening up to allow God to transform. This act is our discipline to help the inner transformation take place. Yeah. Most of it seems to be reading and reflecting and assessing like God's work of the scripture. Uh, but in the original definition, you included the idea of like listening for God's voice or just sort of like waiting and sort of hoping he talks to you. Like, I mean, granted you said it differently, but like, how does that, I mean, I don't see that in the same idea of like, I'm going to meditate on your words and like think about your commands and think about just like, that all seems to be focusing on just reflecting on what's written. As a, like, I don't necessarily see the connection of, well, I'm going to wait for God to give me instruction. People who talk about Christian meditation will say that God can provide us insight, wisdom, recall to mind things that have happened, bring back into our minds times that things have already happened. That's a way of hearing from the Lord in addition to the fact that as you dwell deeply on these things, and there really is an emphasis on like not just reading, but like literally dwelling deeply, that you may also hear directly from the Lord in that way. Remember, the Lord may speak to us even in the words that we read, even through nature itself. But it's not primarily to say, I'm going to sit here and listen and wait to hear, but that's part of the meditation exercise. Yeah. I just feel like to, like, maybe just to clarify, like God speaking to you isn't always like, Moses in the burning bush are like, I am God, like, this is what I want you to do. Like, there's times where I'll read scripture and I'll just like think about the scripture and things will pop into my head like, oh, I totally didn't do this in this situation and this is something that's wrong in my life and I should fix this and I should grow this way. And like, these things just kind of fill, fill your mind like as you're thinking about it and it helps you kind of transform. And like, to me, I feel like that could be a way that God speaks to you, like he's showing you you know, just by what you're thinking, you're showing you things that need to change. Because, like, the Bible to me is kind of like a mirror. Like, it, the word, come, you know, reflects back at you. So it doesn't necessarily mean, like, read it, think about it, sit and wait for God to tell me something profound, you know? Like, I think that's right, because always expecting God to speak is too results-oriented. And I think we've transformed the whole discipline into a communication method. I mean, all the disciplines. And that's actually not what they're there for. Remember, if they're there to actually begin the work of transformation which is a mystery in part. It's part of the spiritual. We cannot understand exactly 
how this hall happens, how the Lord indwells us, how it starts to change from the inside. We know it's His. We know He's told us it will happen. It's His work to do. So we have to be careful not to get either legalistic about the disciplines or too results-oriented, where we think that, like, if I do this and I sit back, like, something's going to happen. What may, what's already happening is you're meditating on what He's done. You're bringing to mind the awesome nature of God to the point where that may be what you have to keep in mind and the transformation's happening. Your heart is becoming more like His. I think God deals with people differently, so it's kind of hard to put, like, you know, the thing is, it's like some people go, oh, yeah, I feel the Lord, you know, or I see the Lord, or I hear the Lord. But it's like ultimately, like, the Bible never says, like, we'll all feel the Lord, or we'll all hear the Lord talk to us, or whatever, you know. Basically, when it comes to meditation, it's sometimes you might hear something, sometimes you might not. But it's the, it's the way you make yourself available, you know. And it's one of those things where there's power in just waiting upon the Lord, you know, and just going, Lord, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear you, I don't know if I'm going to be able to feel anything, but, you know, I know I read scripture, I know that I, my life is constantly moving, and as trying to unwind or unfold or untie, like, the mysteries of, of the word, I don't know. I think we're focusing too much on the receiving part, as opposed to our act of just meditating on his word, his work, his creation, and just letting that drift in our mind and to actually do it. Jesus said, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He himself was saying in response to a temptation that I nourish upon the word itself. Just one more way to dwell on it. So we're supposed to do that, to let it just kind of come into our heart and let it spend time there. Richard Foster says this, this is his quotation of what happens in meditation. He says, what happens in meditation is that we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in our heart. The wonderful verse, I stand at the door and knock, was originally penned for believers, not unbelievers. Meditation opens the door. What happens from that point, I don't know. I don't know how God transforms our heart. I can't explain it to you. I trust that he does because he says that he does. And I also know that there is our part to do, which is to allow certain disciplines to open the door, to allow him in more openly so that he can do that work inside of us. Symptoms to look for. How would I know I need this? Let's get practical. What might prompt you to think that in my season of life, maybe doing some meditation is something that's a good discipline to engage in? Here's some just... Just some suggested ones that come from different sources. You're often encouraged by sermons or reading scripture, but quickly forget what you've heard or read. That's true of a lot of us. We get charged up in our culture, but because we go so fast, 20 minutes after almost any church service, I could ask you, like, what did the guy talk about today? Like, uh, it was good, though. <laughs> Made me feel good. Or you've read something. Uh, I was just actually editing a talk that we did way back in Matthew because we're a little behind. <laughs> and one of the things that we did was we went through like 25 questions about the book of Matthew and asked them just one after another. And the reason was because even after we do a talk within 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, you forget half of what was said. Meditation works with that concept because you just sit there and take a small amount of information and just dwell on it. Just let it go through your mind over and over. Not just for rote memorization, but to just let it sink in. 
Some people who practice meditation will take just a word out of Scripture and just meditate on it, like peace, and just keep repeating it and thinking about it and dwelling on it. Okay? That might not be helpful to help you to memorize the sermon. Again, it's not results-oriented. It's just the condition of your mind and your heart. If you're very quick to forget things because you're so hurried that you can't really dwell on them and you're not retaining them, this is one way to know, maybe I need to slow down and meditate on his words, his work, his creation. Your mind's often cluttered and you find yourself too hurried to spend time or hear from the Lord. That's obvious. Spending time with the Lord is mostly a group activity and you rarely do it alone except in times of despair or need. Think about that one for a moment. How many of us, when we, talk, when we spend time with God, it's in church, it's in this group, it's at a Bible study. It's with other people because they bring the occasion to us. How many of us do it alone? I know some of us do. But if we find that becoming less and less the case, and it's more the case that we spend time with God when we're with other people, then one of the ways to begin to exercise a discipline of communing with God is through the discipline of meditation where you set aside time just for that specific purpose. Again, it's a way to almost slow things down and focus repeatedly on a certain aspect of the Lord. Your prayers consist mostly of you doing all the talking without extended times of listening. There's a lot of times when I'm turning the pages of Scripture looking for something else. I'm hurried on my way to try to prove something I'm saying. And I'll stumble upon words that I think, oh yeah. And it reminds me of things that I've said I was going to do, things that I know about, and it's brought back to mind like, right, right, wait, I remember that there was a whole part of my life that related to this. It was very important. Here's how to do it in practice. Take time before meditating to prepare your mind. You can't go from a hurried day into meditation. So if you're thinking like between 5 and 5.30, I'm going to meditate for a while, it's, it's going to be very hard to do. Especially if you're running around most of the day. Like pick a day where you already can naturally slow it down. Pick a day like maybe a Saturday where you just think like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do a couple things in the afternoon as I start to get lazy, think about taking a nap. Like that's when it would be a good time to just sit down and repeat words over and over until you fall asleep, you know. Lord loves sleep, he created it, right? You can tell him, I'm Sabbathing right now, you know. But just keep that in mind, that if you're going from a completely rushed day, which most of us are, it's going to be very hard to find that time. You've got to wind into it. Second, Set aside a regular place for meditation. You've got to be in a quiet place, probably. You've got to be in a place that you know, and it's not easy to find one of those places. So find one kind of, I'm not saying you have to stick to it, but that might be a good idea at least know where there's a place. You go, hey, you know what? When I want to spend time meditating for the Lord, I'm going to go hang out in this park, or I'm going to hang out in this one place in my backyard, or I'm going to be in this one room, just so you kind of know where the place is. Consider setting aside a regular time as well. Maybe that will help you to schedule around it. Find a comfortable posture for extended meditation. Let your body kind of inform your soul. Pray before you begin to meditate for wisdom and insight. Just because you're meditating, it's a good idea to just pray in advance. Like, Lord, let me use this meditation as I meditate upon your words or your creation or your deeds, your work in my life, that it brings some sort of wisdom and insight. So here's some things you could do. Meditate deeply on Scripture, not studying it, but just on the words, just on the things that it brings to mind, just on the beauty of it. Yeah. I don't see how it's not studying it. I mean, like, isn't, isn't that the same thing? No. The way I want to use the word study is like, we're not doing an exegesis of the text. We're not trying to debate the meaning of the text. What we're, we're doing is you're like focusing on like these words. So 
it's not like saying, I don't know what they mean, they're just random words, I'll just repeat them. But the idea here is not to take like an extended chapter of scripture and try to think like, what's he trying to say? What's he driving at? But to actually pick out and say like, okay, what do these words mean like for me right now? Like how do I look at them and apply them without going into deep study? Because that's what we do, for example, very well. We'll rip scripture apart and go into deep study, but this is more meant to say like, okay, take these words from Psalms, take these words like from someplace and just dwell on what they are doing. Because we're all very good about like doing a Bible study. But I think it's much harder to take the word and just like literally just dwell with it and think about it and let it just take its spiritual root in our heart because it's, it's not a mind exercise. Like we're really good up here. But actually letting scripture touch our hearts is a much harder thing to do. Yeah. Add on to it, it's sort of thinking of it as reading scripture for something to think about rather than for something to know. Okay, Kimberly? What stops me is the word dwell because I don't... When I think dwell, I think on like meaning, da da da. I think like for me, it helps to think of more like absorbing it than dwelling on it because the focus changes. I don't know. It, absorb helps me think about meditation more. Okay. Yes, Monique. Um, I just think too like we can't totally take spiritual stuff out of the Bible, and we're so good at like concrete and academic, and this is what it means and transformation like of inner righteousness and inner transformation is a supernatural thing and you can't take faith out of the bible and so the lord's going to show me something in that moment that i need to know and it doesn't matter like what all these other things are like at some point you just have to have faith that it's going to work out the way it's supposed to yeah i feel like to me when i think about meditating it's kind of like when you hear a song and you can hear a song and listen to like what was the artist thinking when they wrote this? Or like, who wrote this? Or what did the band do? Or what is like the chord progression? I don't know, in all like musical terms. Or you could just like listen to a song and just like hear its beauty and let the riches just like dwell. And it, I guess I feel like when we see the songs like talk about what it looks like to meditate, I feel like just a lot more of this peaceful, like letting yourself kind of soak up the word. I still don't understand what distinguishes it from just like reading the word. Like I, I'm not sure exactly what this means. Like I might do it regularly as I read whenever I do read. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I went to Bible college, um, but I graduated about two years ago. But during the, one of my last one of my last semesters, I wasn't sure exactly what the next step was for me, and God had kind of placed on my heart, and it was something new for me, and I didn't know what I was feeling, and so I would wake up early in the morning and I would go by, there was a lake on the campus and I would just sit there and just be quiet and throughout that process and, you know, just like allow God to prepare my heart for that and just praying, not just in my heart, you know, it was a, it was a very personal, you know, to me that's what I think of meditation, just allowing, you know, just that silence between you and God and like hearing he would use other people or use, like, in a class, God would bring something up that didn't even belong to that. And so it's kind of his way of showing you and through your meditation or even picking it in fasting or, you know, just little things like that. It's kind of that discipline. What we're doing right now, this is study. We spend all of our time in study. This type of meditation and looking at scripture is just like, read the scripture. Listen to the scripture. Listen to the words. Let God speak through the words. Let it just sink in for a while. 
stop trying to figure out all the things that we do on a Sunday night, ripping apart why was this said, who said it, who's right, and what factions of the church are there, or like you said, about music. And just actually listening to those words again, repeating scripture and just listening to it, reading it, produces a lot. I believe the scripture has power by itself. We don't give it that kind of credit. And I don't give it that kind of credit because we spend most of our time, whenever we bring up scripture, we're proof texting things. We're, we're, we're talking about things in, 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 a, in a big controversial way as opposed to just letting it come in. And that's something we do individually with God. But I think what we're missing here is that if we don't engage in any way the scriptures on that level, in a place where it might touch our hearts, not just our minds, we're missing the chance to open the door to transformation. Here's, here's some other examples other than just Scripture. Look at these. Recall the deeds of the Lord. God constantly told people in the Bible to remember his deeds. He repeatedly made that command. If you just spent time just focusing on the things that the Lord did scripturally, for example, you could start with all the things that he did from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through, or just all the things that Jesus did, all the acts, all the different things that happened, and just dwell on those for a moment. To remember the power of our Lord, to remember the majesty of our Lord, His mercy, His grace, even the mysteries that we don't understand, that's just one way to meditate upon the things that belong to the Lord. Or about the works of the Lord in your own life, like how many times do we sit back and just spend time like He commanded the Israelites to do, but we do it in our own life. Like go back in time in your life, like the times that He was there, the things that you've struggled with, the things that you've seen Him do the things that he's done in the lives of others, just recalling those things even in your own life. Because we often forget. We're expecting daily interactions with the Lord, but if you sat down and just dwell on the places that he's met you already, the things that have happened, it produces that recollection of those things. It opens it up. I mean, you're not going to like at, the, at five minutes or ten minutes look down and go, ding, okay, time's up, like I got the result. Like, you may not feel anything except to remember all of those things and dwell on them. Meditating upon the creation and the beauty. This is the one of, of all his works. Like This is the one that I, I loved the most when I was younger. Is just sitting somewhere like you were just talking about and actually meditating upon the creation itself. Like just realizing the majesty of the creation, the beauty of everything in it, the intricacy of everything in it, the intricacy of design, all of that stuff, and just spending time. God says that he reveals himself in creation. And that's one way that we get to listen to the Lord, is in his revelation through creation. Even if it's just to look and think, it's unbelievable that you made this. It's unbelievable that this is so beautiful. It's unbelievable that I'm even here to witness it. That may be enough to begin to open your heart to that kind of transformation. And I encourage you to do this one. Write some of them down. I'm not good at journaling. I did it periods of time in my life and, and it was so great because now I get to go back and actually look at it, but it was only parts of my life, and I wish I had a discipline of doing it more. And here's the reason. It's because it serves as a great record of the things that you are doing and thinking with God. Not just to see how far you've moved, but sometimes because you had a particular insight and you wrote it down, and then later on you go back and you think, I forgot that I even knew that. I forgot that I even had that insight. I forgot that he even thought that thing that day. And it may be just you're sitting there and you're dwelling upon the beauty of creation and you see it and it brings something to mind and you just write it down. And later in your life, it becomes significant. You look back and you think, there, right there, I forgot that I even felt that way back then. I forgot that I even thought that thing. In fact, some people say 
Use what you write down as something to meditate on later. Come back to that. Whatever it is that you wrote down, whatever insights you have, just record those just as a record, just to preserve them somehow. And then later come back and meditate on them and see if they bring up additional insights into your life. Anyone want to try it this week and see if we can do anything, come back and report it? I think we should just make that as a challenge. This is not one that many of us do regularly. I think we should just see if sometime this week, figure out a place where you can lay aside some time and try it. So that's the encouragement if you can. We're going to come back and talk about solitude and stillness and silence as a discipline that, of course, is going to sound a lot like some of these things, except it's meant to even go a little bit further. Okay? There's a lot of overlap. It's okay. Remember, these are just tools. They're just tools to get you to get to that place where you can let the conditions of spiritual transformation take place, letting yourself in a posture that opens yourself up. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a very hurried world. Our interactions with you are like scheduled sometimes just in our group times. And once we're done here tonight, our temptation is to just figure out the next time when we'll be back together again to let that be another time of learning or spending time with you. Would you meet us this week in a mysterious place that we don't really even understand, somewhere in the midst of our hearts? Will you open up the door to our heart and enter in in a way we don't really even comprehend how you allow that transformation to take place? Lord, will you just let us risk a little bit this week to do things that maybe we're not even accustomed to doing? To just spend time before you contemplating your creation and the mighty works that you've done, the beauty of your scripture and the fact that it even just exists in our hands in a way that we can read. Can you show us, Lord, if we dare to just take that step, all of the marvelous benefits that come from just exercising these disciplines? Pray all this in your name. Amen.